Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the weekend show. I'm Ken, and you'll be relieved to know that I am joined, as always, by my collectible co-host Garrett. Are you claiming ownership over me? I'm just saying that you're highly collectible and sought after. By by whom? Everyone. Really, this is just giving me an inferiority complex or some kind of complex. There we go. That's a word. I invented a word. I didn't say something wrong. That never happens. Okay. Good. We have somewhat of a double feature coming up for you this week because we don't have any news stories due to Garrett being sick. But leave me alone. Uh, there was two Twitch shows on the last week. I have to stay up very late. I was very tired. And you were like, come down and do podcasts. I'm like, sweepy gar. And then you're like, fine. Yeah, Garrett wasn't sick as such, but he was sleep deprived, which is basically the same thing. I got sick in like September this year. I got the sick out of the way early. There was probably like a round two coming. More like September, am I right? No, no one's ever said that in their life. Anyway, we're going to kick off Gar with a festive themed segment. Jingle all the way? No. Uh, God, no. Die Hard. It's not a Christmas movie. So, Gar, we're in December now. No. We can't let that slide. You just can't call Die Hard not a Christmas movie, and we let that slide on by. Well, if Nightmare Before Christmas is not a Christmas movie... No, Nightmare Before Christmas is a... No, no, Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie. It's not a Halloween movie. You shut up. You understand my stances on things, please, sir. Let me get on with this guy. We haven't got much time. We're going yeah, to see, right. see Spider-Man. Enter the Spider-Verse? Is that what it's called? Something like that. Enter the Spider-Verse or Into the Spider-Verse? Into, I believe. Okay. Nick Miller. So we're going to kick off with a series... <clears throat> so we're going to kick off a series of festive-themed segments, Gary, since we're in the month of December. Are we allowed to say Christmas? Yes. You or haven't... holidays, if you're a PC person. Oh, you're the, you're the you're Fox News war on Christmas, are you? Yep. <laughs> Given the month that's in it, we're going to take a stroll down memory lane to recount the top-selling toys of our lifetimes before we, before revealing the toy tipped for the top spot in 2018. Is it me? You're you're a toy boy. You called me collectible earlier. Am I am I am I the best toy? Yeah, because there's only one of you. You're very sought after. Mm. And since it's Christmas and we're feeling in a giving mood, we're going to treat you to the gift of a second feature segment, Gar, where we review the latest Pokemon movie in the rebooted cinematic canon, The Power of Us, before discussing the evolution of the brand over the last two decades. A Poke-powered episode in store, but before we attempt to understand the power that's inside... Huh? I was uh-huh. noticing the emphasis you put on Poke Power there suggested you were very proud of it. And I was like, yeah. You know, sold me. Oh, dear. How was your week? Uh, not too bad. I didn't do much. It's Christmas. Yep. That's about it. Got some presents. You got a present for yourself this week, Smash Brothers? Yeah, I buy, them. I buy things for myself all the time because I love me. Which makes you impossible to shop for, by the way. It does not. It does, because everything you want, you buy for yourself. That's true, but still, there's, I'm, I have a very broad range of dumb interests in which you can fulfill my needs somehow. I bought your present this week. Have you bought my present yet? No. I love you more than you love me, then. I'm waiting to decide between a couple of options, that's all. Alright. Okay. Are any of them online orders? No, I'm not that dumb. It's like two weeks before Christmas. All right. Just making sure. Because I dispute that you might not be that dumb. (laughs) Are you enjoying Smash Brothers, Gar? It's a fun, big game. I get to punch Pikachu in the face with Ryu from Street Fighter. What more do you want in life? On a stage based in Final Fantasy with music from like Super Mario playing. 
You can you can do all that in this game, and that's dumb. And items from uh, Picto Chat popping up, and Doctor Kawashima's brain training uh, as an assist trophy. All of these things happen in one game. It's bizarre and wonderful. One thing I wasn't anticipating. We we just uh, before we recorded here, you were playing a game. I defeated brother. brother Ed. I defeated brother Ed twice. Twice. The the sets move, so it's actually quite disorientating to fight while trying to not fall off. Yeah, there's 100 stages in the game. Not all of them move, but most of them have some kind of like. Yeah. A gimmick or feature that's different and like the Wii Sports Resort just flies you on a plane around an island Skyloft from uh, the Skyward Sword just gives you a tour of the entire Skyloft uh, place uh, yeah and then some of them are more fixed like the, the, there's cool ones like the Super Mario Maker stage has a different Mario stage every time and one of them switches between the different themes you know the way Mario Maker you could make stages in the original Mario, Mario 3, Mario World or Mario uh, New Super Mario Brothers style. Yes. The stage switches between them because it's a Mario Maker stage. It's there's like the attention to detail in this game and like the integrity to the source material is astounding. That's what was, that's what I was about to say. I mean, it's just mesmerizing how much detail they've gone into. And not to mention, I, I talked about just a second ago before we started recording. Also, giving away some premium content before we even started recording the pod, mm-hmm. but. It must have been a really fun game to work on. As you said, it's a huge game, so it's a lot of work, but just having kind of free reign and carte blanche to do all these cool things that you would never see normally is is, is fun as a developer and as an artist, I'd imagine. Okay, uh, the, this is the first Smash Bros. that have Castlevania characters in it, and Castlevania is very famous for its very good music, and apparently like the development team was just super excited just to get to work with Castlevania music. There's like 34 songs, many of them remixed from the Castlevania series, because they're just like, we get to work with Castlevania. Let's just go nuts. <laughs> It's like, as an artist or as a creative person, you don't get those opportunities too often, so it must be quite gratifying. And if like if you work at Nintendo, out there you're not going to get to work with Cloud Strife that much. Yeah. Or if you know, actually, Bandai Namco make the game technically. If you work at Bandai Namco, it's like I get to work with Mario, I get to work with Zelda, I get to work with Donkey Kong, I get to work with Bayonetta and Sonic the Hedgehog, and and now a freaking Persona Five character. There's so much. It's a good game. It's a fun game. And I'm not a big Smash guy. I'm not a big fighting game guy. But just the absurdity of all of this in one package is is wonderful. Yeah, it's bound to be a top seller for Christmas. Let's see. What did I do this week? I've been getting into a, a podcast, a new podcast mm-hmm. by Conan O'Brien. Oh, I hate successful people that have podcasts. Because, like, you are you have your television show. You know, you're super famous. You already take up people's time with your television show. And now you're like, I want people's time with my podcast, too. And he'll get it because he's famous. As I leave these poor people in the podcast medium coming up with their cool, interesting podcasts, give the space to them. Don't try and butt in on it. Yeah, he's already joking about how he's shilling for advertisers. But he'll get them and it will be quite profitable venture for him. Yeah. It's called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And despite how cynical and unfair it is, I do love Conan O'Brien. And the conceit of it is that he's interviewed all these people over the years, but uh, he never made a connection with any of them. So he, he assumed that he would be like friends with all these people, but he wasn't. So he's just re-interviewing them in a space where there's no you know time constraints or anything to plug or agenda to see if he can make a genuine connection and make a friend with them of them. So recent That's episodes, kind of sad. <laughs> it is quite sad. And recent episodes have included the likes of Kristen Bell, Will Ferrell, Bill Burr, and it's... You know, one of my uh, barometers for a podcast is podcast hugginess. It's something that we attempt to create in this Don't podcast. Don't say the word. I'm not say. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say the other one because you'll kick me out. Oh well, because we're in the podcast a week studio, so I can do that. But it's just 
it seems like which is my bedroom but anyway without the kind of constraints of what you're trying to achieve in a talk show mm-hmm. they can just talk person to person and just have a chat and i think the most meditative and enjoyable podcasts are those ones where you feel like you're just in on a conversation and... or you're sitting here in my bedroom with with me and ken talking about some dumb conan the brian called conan the brian conan, conan the, the barbarian yeah conan the barbarian <laughs> that's the big crossover everyone just wants in the world calling all the other independent podcasts in the land yeah so it's enjoyable. It's uh, from Coco. It's just his own production channel. So he makes all the money off it too. Earwolf, who are also famous for shows like Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. And how did this get made? So basically they, they're the people that get famous people to do podcasts for money. They're like Podcast One. Except Podcast One seems to lose everybody. Yeah, they've lost them to Westwood One, which is... Yeah. Podcasts that go to these networks always seem to lose a bit of their edge or their appeal. Mm. Anyway... There's uh, another nice discovery this week, Garrett, on Netflix. Garrett, we talked about this before. We're a fan of the competitive cooking show. Is this the Street Fighter cooking show? Basically. Where they go to, where every week is a different country style. Country style, there's like, there's chefs from all over the world. But the kicker is, like, instead of being amateur chefs or aspiring chefs, they're all top chefs. Ah. So it's like, it's so funny seeing chefs that are, like, really respected in their fields getting criticized and how they handle that. and. Mm. And how they handle being under pressure for the first time in a long time. Because obviously there's a pressure and there is kind of a This grind. is the final table on Netflix, by the way. Oh, yeah, I should have said that, yes. Sorry, I got so excited about it. Yeah, I distracted because someone else recommended this to me during the week. And I'm like, oh, is this what Ken's talking about? But there's a pressure and a grind with succeeding and, and stuff like that. But when you kind of get to the top and you own your own restaurant, people stop questioning you. So mm. it must be kind of humbling to kind of be put in your place again. And uh, the first week, a Mexican cook got knocked out of Mexican week so that must have hurt especially <laughs> bad you're bad at your own food yeah it kind of follows a, a mode of the American at ma- or Austri- at MasterChef which we like mm-hmm. uh, the British one is a bit more subdued so I don't really like that you see yeah I like the Australian one because it's excitable but also nice whereas yeah. the British one is very that's very good fish yes. well done it's excitable it's, it's flashy but it's also got a heart to it same with this one it's got a bit more production value it's kind of like the amazing race of cooking shows okay it's got all the like the lights and bells and whistles and HD footage and all this stuff so is it like set in one place or do they like we're doing Mexican food we're going to Mexico not really they, they're, like they're not going to go all over the world but they kind of that's the way they set it up it's like oh we're going to Mexico next week but they're not they're just they're liars is what you're saying yeah they're <laughs> stop put down a pen girl stop fidgeting it's a marker but I'm bashing it off the keyboard by accident I'm going to mark you in a second that's physical abuse please report Ken anyway it's it's a fun show it's one of the, it's an hour long it's quite long but you don't really feel it because especially in the when you say an hour long do you mean like 40 minutes or do you mean literally an hour it's Netflix so it's an hour oh stupid Netflix it's quite long but it kind of moves quite fast especially in the beginning because there's so many teams that you don't get to know any of them that much that's one of my main criticisms of it, it that's of, always the case at the start though. it flies like, over a bunch of them I think as it gets down to nitty gritty and you start to get favourites it's going to get better but that's the final table on Netflix I like it a lot it's flashy chewing gum television which I love hmm. one last thing before we get on to our first segment the Avengers 4 trailer dropped this week we, got a, we got a name a, re- a reveal of the name kind of along the lines of what you would have expected Gary you made a joke about it yeah if you, if you listen to the Ant-Man and the Wasp review I was joking we were making uh, he, that's Barry's, on podcast a week in yes. our feed by the way Barry suggested it should be called uh, oh, he, he would be happy if it was called Avengers Redemption and then that was an Impact pay-per-view name and I was like they should call it Avengers The End because that was an NXT pay-per-view name and it's called Avengers Endgame so I called it basically is what I'm saying clearly they didn't think Highlander Endgame was important enough in the cinematic canon to no, it's not. trouble them Though, in fairness, they call the film The Avengers and had to technically change the name in the UK. 
Oh yeah, Avengers Assemble because yeah. of the popularity of the British spy show. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I like about it is it feels like a decidedly different film. So it doesn't feel like a, a continuation or a second part of the first film, which it kind of was touted as for a long time. It feels like it's kind of a we're in a different place and it's kind of a more a place of kind of reflection and a somber. It's, it's interesting for a superhero film which can often be like bombastic and kind of loud it seems quite muted and uh contemplative what are your thoughts Gar? i was happy they gave nothing away yeah there's nothing in that trailer like tony stark is lost in space which you could have assumed from the last film which is actually a thought that went through my head at one stage it's like wait he's on that planet by his own he's not getting home anytime soon and it's like no he's not he's stranded in space and and of course there's there there you know the way um Thanos' uh, finger snap got rid of half the universe. Yes. That included, believe it or not, uh, Captain America's beard. Yes. Captain America's beard one. <laughs> yeah, it just faded into oblivion. But yeah, it's going to be the biggest film in the world next year. And you do get the sense that there's going to be a price to be paid for, even if they're successful. So there is like. Somebody's going to die. Sort of pretty big stakes. It's probably going to be Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. Although I could see it like that, but they're. I could see them teasing that and then afterwards him signing another multi. Yeah, uh, somebody has to die though. Like they have to. Cap, maybe that's been taught. But like, the, uh, kind of like there. the the rumor was Chris Evans is done as Cap. Yeah. But then the Russos are like, nah, he's not. <laughs> it's like, well, all right. Maybe that's just like saying, nah, he's not. So the death of Cap lands harder. But I don't know. Because the point of the movie has to be them undoing what was done. Yeah. But there has to be some kind of give and take or some kind of you know sacrifice because otherwise it will just end up kind of flat i think mm. but uh it's gonna be the biggest movie in the world i wouldn't be surprised if it made a run for the top spot that's currently, avatar currently occupied. avatar made a lot of money such a confusing movie it's like because it's not necessarily good it's like 2.9 billion it was one of the first ones to make good use of 3d and it just captured nerds brains and and like disappeared from them as uh, just as quickly i think james cameron is a master of subliminal film because titanic's up there too yeah yeah so he just taps into a certain type of a viewer's brain and then they go see that's what titanic and benefited from it wasn't just that a load of people saw it it's that a load of people saw it multiple times mm. but anyway toys of christmas past yes gar um it's got me thinking we're christmas time some of the toys mistletoe and wine mistletoe and wine some of the toys that we got in the past and some like like every year I'm always curious to see what the top toys are and how it's changed since we were younger. So fidget spinners and Fortnite and whatever it is these days. I thought we talked about it. So uh, I would say this data comes from the US, but it does give a flavor of the trend worldwide because it tends to be kind of the leader. In... Well, probably well, it's probably not the same in Japan. Yeah, but, <laughs> but probably know, similar in the UK and Ireland and, and English speaking developed countries. It's interesting to see that some of these toys actually reemerge on the list and top it more than once. Mm. So. You know, different versions, different iterations. And when I was putting it together, there's a notable turning point when the trend starts to turn towards technology and traditional toys integrating technology to try and keep up. So that's interesting as well. You say as we're about to start in 1989, it was the Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, Garrett, that's one other point I was about to make before we kick off. Nintendo, this is 30 years because it's starting off in 1989 when I was born. That was my first that Christmas. That was 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I'm so old. I'm 30 next year. <laughs> You're the- dying. Yes, I am dying. We're all dying from the day we're born, if you think about it, Gary. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. All right. But um, out of the years, if you include one year, which we're about to talk about in 1999, they've topped the top toy list. I don't know why I said top toy list. Top the top toy list? Nine times out of 30. So that's 33% Nintendo. 
Nintendo dominance. They tend to make things people like, as we said, starting with Game Boy, 1989. We own a Game Boy. We yeah. had a yellow brick. Yeah, and it only gave up in around the mid to late 2000s. Yeah, it's those software. are durable. Apparently, they, they like you can blow them up with a bomb or something. You can play them in space. You can take a Game Boy to space and it works. We didn't get one in 89 because I remember we were a bit older when we got one, but... Yeah, like I was I was well into my... What's... Tods? Tods. Yeah, well into my Tods. When we got <laughs> to get for the new word, I think. <laughs> yeah. It so, sold 1.1 million units, which is impressive for the time, but... It was probably the... F- I assume that's in the Christmas of 1989. Yes. All yeah. right. Yeah. Because, like, the Game Boy sold a lot more than 1.1 million units. It's the best... Uh, it's one of the best-selling devices of all time in mm-hmm. its different iterations. And probably... There was other kind of cheaper versions, but probably the first game... Handheld gaming system to put kind of... To break mass market, anyway. Yeah. Which is neat. And also lasted a surprisingly long time before it was replaced. About 20 years, I guess. What do you mean? But between the time we got it and when it gave up and actually... No, but I, I mean, like, you know the way you get the PS3 and then six years later you get the PS4? Yeah. You get the Game Boy, and I think in 97 you got the Game Boy Color, which is more an iteration than a replacement. And then it wasn't until the early 2000s that you got the Game Boy Advance, which was, like, the proper game, next Game Boy. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, it is. Like, Game Boy, like Pokemon came out eight years after the Game Boy was released? Nine? Well... Yeah, I know. So it kept going for that long, so... Game Boy had its peak in 1989, but... It, it probably it, didn't. It probably it, had its peak with Pokemon. It, no, I'm saying... like it has, uh, Peak is probably the wrong word. It has its start in 1989, but it, it was in and out of the charts for the next decade or two. Mm, we're going to Turtles next. Heroes in the Half Shell. 1990. Yep. That's understandable. Uh, there wasn't any one toy in particular, but the line of toys was like a massive thing. Brother Ed was very upset when he did not get his turtle van for Christmas one year. Yeah. He got uh, something else. I'm like... Uh, what... They did what when they created those turtle toys was when they ran out of main series toys to make, they made nonsensical other toys that didn't even <laughs> knock off. Exist in, yeah, they didn't exist in the series. So like we had like a turtle's dinosaur for some reason. Of course. And yeah, Garrett, uh, Gar- well, you weren't upset because you were a baby, but Ed was very upset about it. And we were very nice. Like five years ago for Christmas, they released all the turtle episodes on DVD. And in a turtle van. Yeah, in a turtle van box. And we're like, look, you got your turtle van. And he's probably never watched any of them. He watched one episode, I think. Yeah, so Turtles 1990. Yep. Uh, then we move on to 1991. We're back to Nintendo for the Super Nintendo, the replacement for the NES. Which I assume probably topped the Christmas charts earlier in whatever, 85, 86 when it came out as well. Yeah. So, like, Nintendo's a recurring theme here. 1992, Barney. He's a dinosaur from our imagination. Yeah, so... I was I was a Barney kid. I was super into Barney. You were quite a, a, a staunch Barney kid. I was a diehard Barney kid. Because you were quite old when you still wanted Barney toys and we had to talk you out of it. Listen, I would have gotten joy out of those Barney toys. You've ruined my Christmas. Barney. I remember seeing the film and liking it, even though I was quite old for it. It was well. a Barney film? Yeah. I have no memory of this. It's about an egg that they were trying to protect, a multicolored egg, and then like a koala thing came out of it. Why? Was the koala on the show then? No. It was like a separate. It was in the canon, but like separate kind of continuity, I guess. <laughs> it's the Barney cinematic universe. <laughs> the BCU. Yeah. Oh dear. I, what's a talk boy? Talk boy is that thing that Macaulay Culkin uses in Home Alone 2. Oh, so it's just like a recording device. Yeah, and you can play it back and you can do some voice effects. It, uh, the reason I mentioned Home Alone 2 was... Uh, Donald re- Trump's in it? it? Yes, that. And it's the reason Talkboy was the top toy that year. It was very blatantly strategically placed in that movie. Do you think Donald Trump is like, I made Talkboy a thing. Big seller. Trump. 
I still use mine <laughs> on a daily basis. I change my voice. It's hilarious. I hate him. Gosh, awful. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's right in this, uh, these notes I put in here. Yeah, home known <laughs> to Lost in New York. Like I read this. <laughs> uh... What's it say there? I didn't even read this either, sorry. After the success of the film, young fans demanded a real... Wait, it wasn't actually a real thing before the film? Whoa. I should have read the script because I'm, only... <laughs> I'm discovering this now. <laughs> the talk movie became so popular in the holiday season the company was forced to pull the product's ads due to short supply. Wow. Like Buzz Lightyear for Dad. So they basically... Is Buzz on this list? No, he's not actually. Yeah, that was the big child because Ken was a big Toy Story kid and her dad wanted to get him a Buzz Lightyear and apparently was a nightmare for the poor man. He had to travel all over our, our fair county. Mm. So it's like a state for you guys in America. But um, it's much smaller. <laughs> much smaller, but he finally got one and they did the whole prep thing where they're like, oh, you might not get one. Santa might, you know, there's mm. lots, lots of kids want one and might not, you might not get one. Santa hates you. Uh, and then I opened it on Christmas morning and my mom totally... Uh, ribbed me or it sold me uh, a pup because like I opened it and I was like oh my god it's Buzz Lightyear and mom was like no it's not and like <laughs> she totally suckered me so that's uh, that's one of my favourite memories 94 no surprise gear Mighty Morphin Power Rangers I was also a very big Power Rangers kid yeah um, we various had the toys. Word, we had the toys I remember Ian and Stuart our cousins yeah. had the command centre and all the toys and I was jealous super jelly we didn't get any of that I never had the command centre we got like a, a morpher and I think we got some of the figures as well we had the big figures as well which are lame I enjoy the big figures. I don't like the big figures. I don't like the small figures. I like mid-sized, rightfully proportioned figures. 1995, Gar, when Buzz Lightyear would have been at its height, was Beanie Babies, apparently. What the hell's a Beanie Baby? You know Beanie Babies, those tiny toys filled with beans? Like teddies. Are they babies? <laughs> I'm making a joke. Yeah, but... <laughs> this look of confusion Ken just gave me. <laughs> Beanie Baby, Beanie Baby Mania lasted like full on for the rest of the nineties into the early aughts. Did it really? Yeah, there's still conventions about you know collectors. Oh, like collectors, yeah, they're rare. There's like rare Beanie Babies. I know that. Trading hundreds and thousands for Beanie Babies, and there's, I know people like in my uh, my own immediate family on my girlfriend's side. So you have freaks there. <laughs> they have Beanie Babies that she's like she got a Millennium one, which apparently is one of the rarest ones. Okay. And she's sitting on it as like a nest egg. <laughs> This is the retirement. And it's just like Bitcoin. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago where like someone, like she'll look at the value and it plummeted and she'll get like 99 cents on eBay. They'll release like a reissue of them and they'll be like, no! Nah! Garrett, and it's one that has, has endured probably to, to this day is Tickle Me Elmo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one million uh, at, by the end of its first year. And it was one of those ones that was in such short supply that it was. I would have thought this was as early as '96, which speaks to the staying power of Tickle Me Elmo. Exactly, uh, scalpers capitalized by making uh, fake ones, basically. Yeah. Oh, I'm Elmo. Tickle me Elmo. It's like, why is my Elmo so hot? <laughs> Get away from there. Why is Elmo getting a knife, Daddy? <laughs> 1997. I had one of these Tamagotchi. Did you kill it? I did, and I didn't know how to feed it, so I annoyed our dad to no end, asking him to feed my Tamagotchi every half an hour. <laughs> what? what do you mean you didn't know how to feed it? I didn't know how to use it, uh, but like that was like... Did he not just say you just push this button and you give the dumb virtual dog food? But there's only a, there's only like two buttons to do everything, so it's quite complicated at times All right. to toggle the menus and stuff like that. But uh, this was the biggest toy by far that year. It was like massive. Uh, we have a, a stat here that says... 15 Tamagotchis were sold every minute in the US and Canada uh, Black Christmas. That's a lot. 
So that was 40 million, 40 million units sold worldwide. I love these toy crazes, though. I love that <laughs> they take over the world and everyone gets stupid about it. Well, as you said, Jingle All the Way earlier, the reason that film exists is because there is this kind of battle for parents every year. Arnie, I want Turbo Man. Why did they not release Turbo Man? He was probably too rare. He's too rare. 1998, Gar. Furby. I never, ever understood this. You owned a Furby. I didn't. Yeah, you did. I didn't have one. We definitely had a Furby in this house. I don't think it was mine. I don't have... I don't remember having one. You, you had a Furby. Maybe. I don't remember that. But uh, originally priced at 35 bucks, uh, it was in such demand at Christmas 1998 that it skyrocketed to 10 times that at $300. <laughs> and... 27 million Furbies were sold in 1998 alone. Remember when, we tried to make, remember when Furby tried to make a comeback? It did, and it was successful. It was one of the top toys of a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah, it's not on this list, but it was a top seller. Furbies are monsters. In like, 2000, I want to say 2014, 15, something like that. We go on to 99, Pokemon. We'll talk more about Pokemon in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, Pokemon's very popular. That's no surprise. Yeah. Um, one stat I want to include here, because we might not include it later, is... That the Pokemon Company estimates to date, uh, around 2017, this stat comes from, that more than 900 billion worth of Pokemon-related products have been sold. That's a lot of money, Ken. That's insane. Pikachu is a is a golden goose. The goldenest of gooses. That's nearly a trillion dollars. Golden mouse, I guess. Insane. I remember these, but I didn't have one. Uh, 2000 was dominated by the Razor Scooter. Yeah, I remember that taking over the world. We didn't get... Uh, I we see mom and dad too dangerous? You'll fall? <laughs> they're back now, though, aren't they? Like, but then they're like the but it's just scooters, basically. People... But like, they became a bit, uh, kind of a retro thing now. A lot mm. of people have scooters. And, and now they have these motorized ones, which are even more dangerous and causing havoc on the streets. What quick. was the name of those spinny board things? Spinny boards? Remember the, 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 the hoverboard ones? Oh, uh, that were a big Christmas fad and all of them started catching fire oh I can't remember either way yeah that was another Christmas fad I assume it wasn't good enough to make number one yeah I didn't make it that was one of the top ones uh, a couple of years ago I can't remember it's a Segway the, the big, the normal thing the big one is called a Segway and they're like 6,000 I mean it's just, just a hoverboard that catches fire and sets you on fire we, we're, we're into like one year fads now yep 2001 Bratz they have endured in fairness yeah, they still have weird looking television shows they were the subject of a dispute between the creator and I think it was Mattel or Hasbro I think it's Hasbro because they argued that since he created it on company letterhead he likely used company time to create it and it was their intellectual property Ooh, and you? they initially won oh. and got Bratz and he, he he challenged it and he got he eventually got the ruling that he got to keep, keep Bratz so moral story if you work for a company and you invent something make sure they bloody well don't claim it under there anything you make when you work for us belongs to us clause which I don't think generally holds up in court no but it's in every contract anyway yeah they're kind of like yeah you can't own intellectual property then we had Beyblades I didn't have Beyblades. I didn't get the craze. I think it was an attempt to make a new Pokemon as such. Yeah, that was the wind-up blade thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and then the wind-up spinning top. And then monsters came out, I guess. Because yeah, th- this was right at the end of my primary school, so there there, there would have been some Beyblading ba- 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 in the the primary school yards. And you're like, you're lame. Yeah. And I was like, then I they prefer make, my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Then they make you buy. Speaking of, mm-hmm. but uh, before we get onto it, they make you buy that arena thing, which is basically a hunk of plastic, and it's like 30, 40 bucks. Yeah, pretty much. That brings us on to Yu-Gi-Oh, which again, which was the last year of my primary school run. Maybe second last? Yeah, second last. Um, 
Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! I was a big Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! was much a be- was for me a much better card game than Pokemon was. I never understood the Pokemon card game as illustrated by that episode of the Weekend Show we did. Yeah, we couldn't figure it out. But uh, it's, it's funny you say that, Gar. In two thousand and nine, Guinness World Records named it as the top say, selling trading card game of all time with twenty two bidding cards. Is that sold. like more than Magic the Gathering? I guess so. I would have thought Magic the Gathering would have. I would have thought Pokemon would have given it a run for its money. I think, like Pokemon, I think the card game is popular, but it's not like take over the world popular. And it's petered out in the last few years. You'd be surprised; it still does very well. Well, it's out of my consciousness, so that's all that matters. That's true. Two thousand four, Robo Sapien. I do remember this one. I don't. What the hell's a Robo Sapien? Oh, is that the talking dog? No, it's a talking monkey. I think. Okay, I don't remember it then. Yeah. I have no memory of this Robo Sapien. Then we entered like the the video game takeover era. Yeah, where kids are a bit more savvy, a bit older. They want video games and systems and electronics. That's what I was talking about earlier when we saw the decided shift. So literally from now on, it's like, toys? What are toys? So, well, there's a few in there still. Uh, but we're going to fly through these because there's not much to say, really. Xbox 360, 2005. PlayStation 3, 2006. Nintendo DS, 2007. By the way, Nintendo DS, 154 million units. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally crazy they sold half of those uh, or they sold 653,000 in one week alone in Christmas 2007 and it's like it's it's you think uh, oh like touchscreen gaming uh, all that stuff very popular now not in 2007 or 2006 when the DS released like that was a risk Nintendo yeah. basically introduced touchscreen gaming at least on a mass market level yeah and as you said they took a gamble on it because even when I first heard about it and first started using it it felt counterintuitive yeah it's like what buttons work fine but but then everyone that does like buttons scare me but i can tap the screen and train my brain and read books and uh, play with my digital pet and whatever electroplankton was the music app it's like anything they took the risk also by creating it they normalized it yeah and then uh, uh, apple came with the iphones and ipads and took over the world Um, then we move on to which actually surprises me because the nintendo wii was released in 2006 ken and it was the top toy at christmas in 2008 yeah but a week, like, it kind of had a slow start. It kind of had a... No, it didn't. In terms of, but as a builder, was it... Why, was it, it, it had a very successful start and just became more successful. That's weird because I would have thought, well, PlayStation 3 did come out in 2006, I guess, so... So it was more popular at the start, but the Wii, the Wii sold 100 million of them. They, 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 they kept shoveling them out the doors. Surprising, Gar, we're going back to a toy in 2009. What the hell's a Juju pet? It's those hamster things. Do you remember those? They're no. Like, they're like fluffy, motor hamsters. They're in wheels and stuff. They made it a cartoon to try and sell them it was crap okay uh, let's see what they got sold for 9 bucks originally and the man shot them up to $60 of course poor parents being scalped it's like that you remember the Doctor Who voice changer yeah and like it, they, nobody could get them and it's like oh it's 150 bucks in the secondary market for something that costs 20 yeah it was the Cyberman one wasn't it yeah something like that uh, iPad 2010 mm-hmm. not surprising 300 Unit three hundred thousand, not three hundred. That would be a disaster. <laughs> three hundred thousand units on the day of its release, and of course, kids. You know that was when the touchscreen thing blew up, and they rolled that wave. Yeah. Then the I assume Leap Pad Explorer is an extension of that. Yeah, that was for younger kids as well. Two thousand eleven, whatever that is. Here's a surprise: Wii U. Yeah. I guess there was no like big console or anything out in twenty twelve, but like the Wii U is generally considered a a commercial flop, and there it is, top toy Christmas in two thousand twelve. 
if I'm wrong, Garrett, and tell me if I am, it came out around Christmas time as well, though, so maybe... It came out in November. The, the, the problem with the Wii U is, like, everyone that wanted the Wii U bought one in the first three months. And that was it. And that was it. No one bought one for another year. Like, if you look at the stats, it started really well. It got to, like, four million in, like, the first two or three months. Yeah. And then I think it sold less than a million over the next year. It's like, oh, God, no one wants this thing aside from the people who really want it. It had a bit of a spike the following Christmas, though, didn't it? Well, they released about, like, 2013 was a a barren year, and then 2014 it's Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, which would always... Mario Kart will always ship units. Interesting. Garrett Elmo, back in the list in 2013. Elmo's back before his reputation was sullied (laughs) for for reasons. Big Hugs Elmo has different connotations these days. Yeah, so (laughs) enough says there. This one I remember, Garen. This was Buzz Lightyear levels of hysteria, I mm-hmm. think. The Elsa doll from Frozen 2014. Can we talk about how Frozen is really good? Frozen is really good. A sequel coming next year, I think, as well. That's uh, one we forgot about. Tad worried. We'll yeah. see. But, like, Frozen gets dumped on because it was extraordinarily successful to song. an annoying degree. And that song is everywhere. It's ubiquitous at this point. Yeah, it was one of those things that took over the world to the extent that people turn on it just for existing and being popular. Frozen rules. Frozen's a great film. It is. Remember when we went to see it and I forgot the tickets and then I had to buy the tickets again? Yeah. Uh, it was a whole ordeal and then yeah. it, it was a, a screening as part of the film festival and it ruled. It's delightful. I was so, I was like, I felt so privileged to see it already. Yeah. It's really good. 2015. But uh, people, I remember seeing even in the Irish media, people full on had fights over this doll. Mm. As in like adults tearing each other's hair out and all that kind of stuff and of course. getting in brawls. Yeah. Uh, not surprising, Garrett, with the release of the. 2015 Star Wars film BB-8 was the t- 2015 uh, again it's, it is a toy but it had an app and stuff like that so that's kind of technology elements to it I I remember seeing them and people had them and I'm like that's literally a toy that I would play that, with for the, five that, minutes that's the five minute toy yeah. it's like oh look it moves and I'm done <laughs> exactly. oh it makes a noise great 2016 and it's actually still doing around the, the rounds it's still quite a popular one is Hatchimals which is a is, is it just a Tamagotchi knockoff? No, it's like a teddy or kind of a uh, made-up animal inside an egg and you hatch it out of the egg. I don't really get it. Okay. Uh, not really. Garrett, Nintendo again with something that they already released. Yeah, they're back from 1985 with the NES Classic. Also 2016, this was a kind of a... A tie. A, a tie. Well, it can never be a true tie, but they're kind of two big ones in that year. Yeah, paying for nostalgia, basically. Where'd you get those this one, by the way? I can't remember. There you go. There's credit for it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Garrett, Teddy Ruxpin, which was on the list, uh, it topped the toy list in 1985 and 1986. I didn't include them because it wasn't in our lifetime. Oh, is this just the thing where they started splitting it into like toy and technology? <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. Because yeah. they, they realized that they didn't... Uh, we still want to acknowledge the cool toys. <laughs> so Teddy Ruxpin, as you can remember, is like a teddy, but a cassette in the back. It reads you a story. Uh, Teddy Rex when the new one was basically the same thing with LED screens and an app fancy and it was so it's topped the top toy list three times in the last 30 odd years good for them good for them back to Nintendo <laughs> yeah back to Nintendo 2017 the Switch by the way Nintendo released Pokemon and Smash this year I think I think they might get top of it on the 18 too <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that they might but video games don't often make the top well I suppose maybe they don't no I mean them. like the Switch again well though you think the Switch will be Because I think there? people will buy shitloads of Switches to play Pokemon and Smash Brothers. I have heard of uh, kiddies around that I'm aware of that are getting Switches for the first time this year, so... Yeah, and I think like it was the top toy on Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Yeah. So it's up there. What's Fingerlings? 
Yeah, I, I didn't really know what this was. They're they're still around this year. They're as popular this year as well. They're baby monkeys uh, that are interact. They're interactive collectible pets, and they play. You play with them, and they come alive, and they make sounds. It's like motion controlled. Hmm. But like the weird thing is, like they actually the tech that goes into them is quite high, polluting. Like a, a big robot tech company just makes these on the side to make a bit of money. So apparently, yeah, I don't, I've never, I, I never really heard of them. I, I, I've seen them around, but apparently they're pretty big. And then you have the Harry Potter coding kit. Yes, Gary, you just buried the lead there. We're going to do a big reveal. Oh, sorry. That's this year, twenty eighteen. What is it? Okay, it's not point now, Gary. <laughs> so the top toy for this year is predicted to be the Harry Potter coding kit. So it's this was out last year, though, wasn't it? I don't think so. Okay. Basically, it's a wand mm-hmm. that you can use to do coding and cast spells and play games and stuff like this. So it's like learning and you're a wizard. That's the worst. Forcing learning. Toys are for fun. Yeah, so it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's a physical toy, but it's interacting with technology. And that's kind of the way it, it seems to be the from the list that we can see in the last previous few years. It seems to be the way to success these days, you know. Mm. We were talking about the success of Pokemon in 1998, Ken. It's pretty yeah. successful these days. Yeah, I would call this the second coming of Pokemon. It's uh, they see. I I would dispute that. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, because the second coming suggests it went away, which it really didn't. It was still around, but like the reason I say the second coming is, I, I suppose it went from being huge and exploding in two thousand, and it's always in the toy shops, but and had its own section. But now you see in our local toy shops, it has its own aisle again. Mm. Like the po- Pokemon Go shot it back into like cultural phenomenon again because yeah. it was like cultural phenomenon in 1998 extraordinary success from 98 to 2016 and then p- cultural phenomenon again yeah and like you saw the detective pikachu release trailer release it's like the the the, the groundswell of pokemon so, and it's fairly self-evident what's happening it's like pokemon go releases appeals to the nostalgia of people like me who play pokemon go pokemon, i play pokemon the whole time but the average person like me who played pokemon when they were a child and then brought it like most people in their uh, mid-20s basically being like pokemon in the real world that's what i liked as a kid i'm gonna play this game oh there's one on Nintendo Switch. I'll play that. Pikachu movie? Whoa! Yeah, because the people going to see these movies are us, not children. And yeah. we bring children if we have them. I don't have any at the moment. And like, watch that Detective Pikachu trailer. It's not made for children. We're going to talk about Pokemon Power of One in a minute. Very much made for children. Very bad. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, but like, it's probably not like as edgy that children can't go to see it or they'll be alienated. Yeah, Pikachu's not going to pull a gun on somebody. But it's made for adults. But yeah, it's, it's made... Uh, Ryan Reynolds is like 40% Deadpool in it. It's made for us. Yeah. Because we are the ones that spend money. Which is actually kind of cool. Because I was thinking about Pokemon recently. In that, like... They've only scratched the surface of what they can do with that IP. Oh, yeah. Like, like they've, uh, they've been... I'm surprised ca- it's taken this long to get to it. Yeah, they've been cashing that check for 20 years. And they've somehow still left so much room to do with that IP. Like, they've done nothing adult with uh, the Pokemon pretty much ever. There's some, like, GameCube games, like Gale of Darkness, which skews a little more teenish. But, like, think of yeah. like, the way you can use that franchise and those characters and those ideas for, like, more adult-leaning things and still have that uh, wildly successful kid branch of it. It gives it a whole new life, doesn't it? It's like yeah. almost like Divisions. But, uh, we'll, we'll start with, with the review of the, of the latest film. The reason we wanted to see it was... It looks pretty. It looked pretty, and we haven't seen a Pokemon movie in a long time. I was just curious to see how they've changed since the original movies that we saw in the cinema as a kid. Hmm. Uh, it's a re- it's 
so Pokemon The Power of Us is the second movie in the new franchise. So there's been 20 this is the 20th Pokemon movie, but the 18 the first 18 were in one continuity and then uh, starting with uh, I choose you I think was the last one. Yeah. They rebooted it and kind but, of basically started Ash's story again. Because basically. traditionally the Pokemon films have existed alongside the television show, but they they're kind of non-canon but kind of canon. It's yeah. they exist in a weird middle ground. Now they're just like we have this new film franchise or this new film continuity. It's entirely separate from the last films. It's entirely separate from what's happening in the television show. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, but just to give you a flavor for what the people in the know think about it, right. Callum May of Anime News Network, which I'm told is a big anime website, I wouldn't know, but I looked it up. Um, he noticed some poorly rendered 3D background characters and the familiarity of Zoar. Zara Aura Ken, did you not even listen to the pronunciation of the Pokemon names I in the did, film? I did, and I even practiced it earlier, but I still messed it up. All right, Zara Aura, his arc was kind of, and the overarching plot were. Yeah, the film sucks. Were quite similar. <laughs> I don't to... need Callum May to tell me the film sucks. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna lay out what he thought of it because he's uh, an he's, anime aficionado. He's a pexpert. Yeah, a, a, pox, a, a, a Well, he's an anime expert, and like, sure. Basically, they went. He's kind of saying they went back to the well, but. This is what gets me because I'm gonna tear it apart. We're gonna tear it apart in a second. He praised the film's ability to deliver multiple storylines. Disagree. Singling out Callahan's arc for showing heartwarming mm, moments of nah. clarity and memorable backgrounds, in addition to the main character's distinct character designs and animation. It's pretty. That's that's the only yeah. good thing about the film. It's pretty. He concluded that there's a possibility that the localization won't be able to Nerd. properly translate some aspects and may lose some of the tone and important scenes, but. If they manage to nail it, Pokemon fans are in for a standout film that reinvents the formula yet again. No, don't. I disagree. It's terrible. Totally. It's Look, it tries to do this thing where it has all these different characters and it tries to meld them into like this, this overarching plot. There's too many characters. I don't care about any of them. Most of their arcs are dumb. Ash might as well not exist in a film about Pokemon in which he is the lead character. There's like two Pokemon battles. Yeah, all the Pokemon. There's a forest fire that starts out of nowhere. The plot is incomprehensible. Well, it's not incomprehensible. It makes sense. But it's just like, and now this, and now this is happening. And now we've dropped a bomb that's covering the entire city in smoke. The smoke has caused the forest fire. We and have to turn the giant fan on to blow the smoke away. We have to get Lugia to come to put all the fire. Yeah, <laughs> we have to put the giant thing in to get Lugia. It's stupid. Yeah, they basically name drop. I like the way you're trying to get something in, and I'm just keeping going at the dumb film thing. They're trying to name drop Lugia because he was touted at the start of the film as something important, and he just yeah. comes at the end after everything's been resolved. Anyway, he might as well not be in the film, just like Ash. And there's so many, as you said, there's so many elements that they claim are linked, but then when they're each resolved. They're re- resolved almost individually, as if yeah, the grand- of- there's a grumpy grandmother, and well, she's not—I don't know—she's grandma. She's an old lady. She's grumpy. She's old. She hates Pokemon, and like the whole film, she's just there, being like, "Who are you? Why are you here?" And it's like, "I was the one that made this fan, and then my snubble got blown up in an explosion, and it burned my hand." Yeah. It's this film is nonsense, and. I would accept that a certain amount is lost in translation. Cause Probably not. Even that's that's a, that's a cop out. Even thinking back to the earlier Pokemon films, even the first one, there's parts where I didn't quite get it. But uh, well, I, the reason I mentioned the first one again is that at least the plot was clear. It may have been kind of basic, and it may have been kind of can the first Pokemon. Uh, I think I think it's the first Pokemon has this line. First yeah. Pokemon film, or it starts raining. Brock puts a frying pan over his head. And he's like, "Now I'm turning my frying pan." Into a drying pan. <laughs> it's like this is a good film. It's funny. It has heart. It doesn't take kids' intelligence for granted. I don't have anything to say. This film's terrible. It's a terrible film. 
that's stupid and dumb and just really really bad (laughs) it feels like it's the most cynical of the films because like the 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 overarching message of the film is you can't achieve anything without pokemon it's like you are useless without pokemon by your side pokemon power it's like pokemon power go buy pokemon go and uh, play pokemon go buy a 3ds and buy a switch so you can have pokemon power too they even shoehorned uh an eevee into this yeah, uh, I've been fair. I, I, well, maybe I don't know. There's a po- a plot line about having to catch an Eevee, and mm-hmm. then her and Pikachu playing with each other, or it might be he. I don't know. Yeah, it was just really bad. It uh, the shorts beforehand were good. Yeah, the the Pokemon is a generations. Yeah, which is basically they take moments from the video games and bring them into life and in animation, and it's very neat and has music from the games that's remixed, and it's like oh that's cool. It looks nice. Whereas like this film is pretty. I'll give it that. The rest of the film is terrible pretty but some of that mixture of 3d and 2d is quite jarring for me mm. and yeah it's overstuffed with characters it, it's cynical in the sense that it, you feel like it's trying to sell you something but like even the older ones are like they've got heart they've got a sto- you know a coherent storyline they've got good dialogue they don't you know they're marketed to kids but they don't take kids like, not, all, like not all of them are good like yeah. some of them suck but like I I fell asleep to the first fifteen Pokemon films for like three months, yeah. so I I've I, I've absorbed a good amount of those films through osmosis, and I'd say there's at least five of them that are like solid films. Plus, frying pan drying pan is the best joke of all time. Gar, is there a case for making films in America for a Western audience versus porting these Japanese films? No, this is just a bad film. I'm not, I'm not letting you give this film an excuse, Ken, because we were talking earlier, and you're like, but it's a kid's film. It's a bad kid's film. And, like, I, I kind of admire it tries to do something. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to take these stories of these characters, and we're going to take, like, 17 of them, I think, is the total character count in this film that you're supposed to care about. Way too many is what I'm saying. And we're going to weave them all together into this coherent narrative. And it's like, nah, you whiffed. You take these characters... Some of them I forget are different because there's two kids. One is like the mayor's daughter and one is the daughter of that uh, uh, wheeling dealing guy who's into the entire film revolves around the fact that he can't just say, listen, daughter, I'm a failure and a con man. But I was like, are these two different characters or the same character for a good like 10, 15 minutes of the film? I feel like there's a good message there or, or there could have been, but they're, they try to do a couple like, you know, togetherness is important and divisiveness is bad there was an environmental message in there mm-hmm. it's just too many things at once like you could have made like literally three movies out of the plot of this I think movie more than three i think each of these characters could probably have their like the the whole zero aura arc is just like why why are we shoving this pokemon in here that's probably marketing it's like it's if you want to push this zero aura pokemon it's probably going to be the legendary in the next main series game i would imagine or one of them is it i, I don't even know what game it's from i don't know I've never seen it before. I looked it up. It didn't seem to say it was a legendary, but it hinted at that it was because it linked it to other ones. Yeah, and like Lugia, as you said, Lugia is just ham-fisted into this film in the least like coherent way imaginable. Watching the trailer, I thought Lugia was like the main. Yeah, you think it's a Lugia film? It's not. Yeah. It's a film that happens to have Lugia at the start and Lugia at the end. Yeah, I don't think, as I said, you know, maybe it can be better. Maybe it won't. I don't think they're gonna change, but I don't think Pokemon. Kitty movies are for me anymore, which I, which is why I'm. It's sad, but I'm also. I just glad. want to make good ones. That's what I want. <laughs> it's sad for me, but I'm glad there's going to be an adult universe that I can kind of. Yeah, Pikachu can. In. Pikachu can pull a gun on somebody and shoot him. Yeah, or Pikachu can have uh, a broken marriage. <laughs> there is the line. I I've been so lonely in the film. So. 
Yeah. Moving on to the evolution of the series. Oh, car. evolution! Whoa! Oh, I didn't even get that. That just totally just popped out because I'm a brilliant podcaster. You're a savant. You're a podcasting savant. Going way back, Gar, and we'll kind of bring it to the modern day and we'll compare in a minute. Do you have like a first memory of Pokemon or like interacting? Is it, is it the game? Was it the series? I remember we got it with the game. I think we got it with our Game Boy, didn't we? No, Maybe. the Game Boy came way earlier. Either way. Maybe with our Game Boy Color. When when we got Pokemon, I remember Ed playing it and saying I couldn't play it. And I was watching him play it over his shoulder. And I was like, oh, play with the Pokemon. That's my first Pokemon memory. I remember we went to Cyprus for Christmas. No, Lanzarote. Lanzarote, yes. We went to Lanzarote for Christmas. And that Christmas, I got Pokemon Silver. And I'd wake up at like... 5.30 in the morning and obviously I couldn't play Pokemon in the the rooms with all of them because we were in rooms together so I'd sit on the bathroom floor with my Game Boy at like 6 in the morning playing Pokemon Crystal and I was like yeah this is a thing a kid does when they go to Lanzarote for Christmas it's funny I also remember one of those Spanish holidays we went on when we were kids I got my first Game Boy my Game Boy Color oh yeah like the, the bootleg shops yeah I think I just, that's where I got my GBA they're not bootleg because like they, they all seem bootleg though you're yeah. always like oh they're real but like the price is negotiable, so mm. it's kind of it almost seems like they're knockoff. But that's also where we got Pokemon Yellow. Yeah, and I also bought Pokemon Yellow, my second copy of the game, for my confirmation as a uh, Rai, what thirteen year old. Yeah, what was it that hooked you though? I, collecting animals is cool. <laughs> I don't know. This is like these are fun, simple RPGs with cute characters that make me feel like a badass because it's like I oh, look at my army of Pokemon. I think it was that collectible nature to me. You gotta catch them all. Fills your OCD bit. It's like, I will catch them all. Yeah, I was quite an OCD kid. I'm an OCD adult as well. I don't know why I said I was an OCD kid. Mm. But the the idea of like, anything that captured my imagination as a kid was something that I wish was real in real life, I suppose. Mm. So like the idea of like, you know, these companions that you travel around with, you know, battling and, you know, winning tournaments and, you know, just, you know, all having different abilities and different characteristics. Just if that existed in nature, that, that would be really cool. Also terrifying, though, based on Detective Pikachu. But yeah, 2000. I think it was 1999-2000 was like the first year. It was the Pokemon year. Mm. Um, like obviously For we you. Got, yeah, we got the games through the years. But I remember we were like, I had a specific list. There was like Pikachu toys, Charmander toy, uh, a Pokedex. We both got one, even though... That's another thing. I didn't really know how it worked. Yeah. like So like the Pokedex is the exact same. You just It's, it's almost like a calculator. Do, 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 do. It made that noise. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but like, it's literally like a, a small analog computer. You enter the, the number and it just pops up a picture of the Pokemon. And gives you the description. But we couldn't share one. We just would have to have one. <laughs> yeah, we're too stupid to share one. We'd hate each other and eat each other. And you mentioned earlier about Beyblade Scar, you know, that being in the schoolyard. Like, the... Mm-hmm. The trading card was... Uh, Pokemon was banned from my school. It's one of those things that's just like... Yeah. Teachers are like, nope, not anymore. So is the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Because it became the currency of the schoolyard. Like, and um, b- bad trades went down. People got salty sti- over... Football stickers was the other one. Yeah. People got salty over trades. And uh, it, it resulted in fist fights. Mm. And that's how they got banned. Of course. That's sad. Or is it sad? I don't know. I remember... Uh, do I remember you trading someone from Mewtwo and then they decided they didn't want to do the trade anymore but then you were like nah probably yeah I'm a petty child still I wouldn't I was like nah I still have some of my cards I still have m- most of them anyway I recently bought some cards they're in a box over there yeah I, don't I, judge me I never really got into playing the game as you said earlier it was more about me playing with the cards as like a collectible thing it was mm. like 
I take them out, I look at them, put them away. That's basically pretty much my thing with it. Trying to collect the shinies, gotta catch them all. Basically, is yep. my approach to the card game. They get into your brain and then re- remove all like coherence or, or logical thought, and it's like, Pokemon. But like we're ta- we're sitting here twenty years later, and Pokemon has endured over all that time. I mean, Pikachu's real cute. That's Pikachu, why. That's basically it. Uh, <laughs> Do you think it would have been as successful if they hadn't made, inadvertently, in fact, made Pikachu the face of the franchise? Wasn't... Who was it? Jigglypuff was meant to be? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. Is that one of those happy accidents? That's one of those... We just came back from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. We'll do a full review of that next week. But, like, a part of that film is that the New York is a different New York. It's changed. And probably in that New York, Jigglypuff is the Pokemon mascot. Yeah. I, I feel like... The things we talked about earlier, the elements we talked about, is why it has endured. Like, it's infinitely scalable. It kind of appeals to that thing in children that it's universal or that endures the test of time. You know, companionship, you know, adventure. They're super cute. They're super cute. They're collectible. Um, And all kids have that sense of longing for adventure or, or, you know... Also, yeah, the the game is about a 10-year-old being given some cool animal pets... And traveling the world, beating people up with their animal pets and getting new animal pets. That's inherently cool. It's inherently cool, but for someone who was kind of an introverted kid, that kind of story appeals to me. Like that Because kind of... the Pokemon character, your character, never talked. That's why. Okay, you're mean. It makes sense. It all makes sense. I, I didn't see... You said you saw, earlier you saw a bunch of the movies. Like, did they decrease in quality over time because I only saw yeah, the like, first three maybe like, uh, they're transparent you know all of them are just a vehicle for whatever legendary they want to push this year you know they, they don't pre- really pretend they're anything other than that it's like we, we're making a Zoroark film we're making a Ho-Oh film we're making a Lugia film we're making a, a freaking Raikou film they're just it's like whatever legendary they're like this is the legendary of the month this is the legendary we're going to make a film about but they're usually some of them are actually good <laughs> I only recently found out they were still going. Like, there's been one a year for like the last twenty years. The same person has directed them all. There was a little feature before the film. That was fun as well. I think the only thing caught all the Pokemon films. We were in there with a a bunch of kids, and uh, obviously they are of the new wave of Pokemon, Mm. and they were incredibly bored by this film. Yeah, they. It wasn't even like it wasn't like oh, I'm enjoying this film as a child. None of that. Pokemon, as you said earlier, Kara, we we reference Pokemon Go. That's really what caused this new renaissance of Pokemon. Uh, you know, it appeals to the the casual Pokemon fan. It kind of got them back into the fold. I think that was the, the genius that they had. Yeah, it's Pokemon in the real world. As I said, we've talked about... I've, I've made this point before. It's like, oh, AOR is the new technology. It's not. People like Pokemon. And it's just a means to an end. And people still really like Pokemon. It's funny. It's actually had a bit of a resurgence now recently, hasn't it? Which? Because I know... I, I played it initially and I kind of got bored of it. Oh, yeah, but it. you say... Again... And you said, is this the second coming of Pokemon? Uh, I'm going to extend that point to, is this the second coming of Pokemon Go? To which I'd say, no. It's been wildly successful. And like the Let's Go games have just kind of boosted it up and brought it back. And they, uh, they've released new generations. They've released trading. They've released tra- uh, trainer battles. So they're expanding it into the game. It probably should have been at first, but the game it was at first was a buggy mess. So if it was that hard to get that much up and running, it was probably quite a difficult game to develop. It feels like one of those games you just kind of wanted to get to market and then expand it as you said and figure it out later and like the simplicity of what it was probably was why it was so popular you know if it had multiple systems and you know if it was very complex and it had, you had to battle and you had to trade I think that would have put people off 
Or it's just like, you take your phone outside, you hold it up, you go, that's a Charmander. You hit the Charmander and you flick the ball. That was the yep. game. There's a social element to it, which some people are attracted to. For the more reluctant people who were like, oh, you know, I we're more conscious of how they look when they see other people doing it. That's the social aspect. They kind of more they are more likely to do it or some people use the the exercise excuse like oh it's you know that was me causing me to I'm going for a walk i'm going for a walk it's getting my ten thousand steps and i'm catching pokemon that's why i'm playing it it's not because i'm a nerd and i've been hiding it all these years mm. pokemon go um but I, the reason i mention is because i gave it up and i haven't gone back to it but i know people that were in the initial wave and have started playing really hard again now was it a generation release that caused that yeah but like there's three or four gyms in the, the village where we live and like a few months a few months ago when they released the some batch of pokemon i was like i'm gonna go play pokemon go i took over a gym and by the time uh, it was the douglas church gym and by the time i got by the finger post roundabout somebody had already taken it back yeah in a relatively well, like Douglas isn't small, but you wouldn't have think there's a bunch of Pokemon Go players out there every night playing Pokemon Go, and apparently there is. Yeah, they take it pretty seriously. I didn't manage to capture a gym during my time, but I didn't take it very seriously either. It's because you're a coward. As you said, it's kind of transitioning to Switch now using the Let's Go kind of method, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, this was uh, an element of the film as well, the most recent film, because the, they had Pikachu and Eevee in a lot of shots together playing and all this, but. Uh, and an ad before the film. <laughs> and there is Pokemon Go playability in Let's Go as well. You can move Pokemon in between one and the other. They're not back. And it has the kind of same mechanic of catching Pokemon. Yeah, you flick the... Uh, you use the Joy-Con to physically throw a ball. Or you move and press A when you're in handheld mode. It's smart though, because it brings in the Pokemon Go players. But for the hardcores, it's a remake of Yellow. So Yeah, and then next year they're releasing Gen 8. And everyone will be like, ooh, a new Pokemon experience. Do you think that will be on console? It is. They're not going to go back to 3DS. <laughs> 3DS is a, a sinking ship, I suppose. Yeah, and they, they, they're made, they're trying to make games too powerful. And like they said, it's for Switch. But they're not going back to 3DS. Gar, we have a potential live-action cinematic universe. And as I said... in a, Do we? In our, we don't know what the cinematic universe can. We're said, releasing Gar, a film. Gar, I said potential, Gar. It's, it's hinging on Detective Pikachu. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I didn't expect this to be the portal for live-action Pokemon. I'm glad it has been. The trailer looks very promising. Yeah. Uh, as we said a few weeks ago in our one of our episodes, it outdid Toy Story 4 by a large margin. Because it was a much better trailer as well. Taking Detective Pikachu aside, because we talked about that, where would you like to see, if there was a cinematic universe, where would you like to see it go? I don't care. I really don't. I'm just like, make me some good Pokemon films, do what you want with it, go anywhere. You know, Detective Pikachu, if you were to say five years ago, when Detective Pikachu wasn't a game yet, it's like, they're going to make a film about a, a talking Pikachu that wears a hat and he's a detective. You'd like, what are they doing to Pokemon? You know? Yeah, you think finally they, jumped the shark. You think they've gone crazy and they released a trailer uh, a month ago and it's the biggest thing on earth. It went to people went nuts for it. That film will do very well regardless of whether it was good or not and thankfully it looks good. So yeah, do, do, be wacky, be weird, do what you want with Pokemon. Yeah. Would you use Detective Pikachu to kind of, you know, link in other stories? Or No, don't cinematic universe this. They're, but it, you, you know they're going to if it's successful. It doesn't need to be a cinema, a combined universe, though. You can make Detective Pikachu films and you can make uh, Ash Ketchum films or whatever you're going to do with it. I'd like to see an Ash film. He wants to be the very best there ever was, Ken. And he's a dope. Mm. Speaking of which, Gar, how's your Pokemon reviewing going? Oh, I'm up to episode like 19, I think. 17, something like that. 
There's still, I'm, I haven't gotten tired of it yet, so we'll see. Is there anything that, about it that's striking you that that feels different from when you were younger? Well, comparing it to the film we just saw, it's like there, there's an oafishness to Ash that is desperately needed in the original anime that's not in the new film. Ash is your generic, I love Pokemon, competent trainer. There's no death there. There's nothing interesting about him. Where he's a goof in the anime. He's a buffoon. He's just moving around the place. He's almost a conduit for other things to happen. Yeah. So like, I'm Ash. I'm here. Pokemon are great, aren't they? I love Pokemon. Do you love Pokemon? Let's all love Pokemon. Like, there's a scene in the film where he gives this big rousing speech because the city's about to be covered by some cloud that's going to kill everybody or whatever. And he has to give this rousing speech like, let's go stop it. And everyone's like... You make a good point, Ash. It's like, yeah, you were just going to stand here if he didn't give you that generic speech? There's nothing to him. He sucks. At least half the crowd in that speech were like, was this kid here the whole time? (laughs) One of them was the mayor. It's like, I guess I should do something about this, right? Because he's literally like, as we talked about Fantastic Beasts, if you take Ash Ketchum out of this movie, it makes no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Garrett, I suppose two more points before we wrap up and then we'll go home, as it were. What is it about Pokemon that has kept you coming back? We talked about what hooked you. In I'm the a dopey nerd. That's what. I have a take about this, Garrett. Like, and it, it kind of encompasses a lot of the things that stuck with me since I was a child. Whether it be Disney animation or whether it be, you know, Pokemon or all these things I still hold on to. Like, I think that our generation is more emotionally intelligent as a result of holding on to these things. Yeah. Like, there's... You see, the... the People define growing up as leaving things you liked before behind and finding new things. And I'm like, nah. Growing up is is, is a, a, a a perspective shift. It's not a, a, a I can't like the things I liked when I was a kid. And it, it kind of led to a generation of numb and unhappy adults. And I think, I, I've always said this, and it can be hard sometimes when you're in a daily grind and you know, you're in these office spaces or, or whatever, you have the responsibilities of being adult and paying bills. I think staying connected to the things that make you, made you happy as a child is the key to happiness as an adult because we, d- we don't really change. No. We become who, there is a theory that says we become who we are by, by 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And I think those who... And we're doomed. <laughs> we're doomed because we're just stuck this way. But I think those who deny it or try to suppress it, I think that's where the things like depression come from. Yeah. That's a bit deep for this kind of Pokemon talk. But there you go. Uh, the future of the franchise, Garrett, it's, it seems to be moving to console. Uh, they seem to be trying to make a more, you know, tactile battle experience. Do you miss the 2D nature or are you happy to go with the kind of evolution? It's still basically a 2D game. Yeah. Like, you play Pokemon, like, they, they, they've expanded it into the third horizon. But, like, in essence, these games are the same as they were when they were on the Game Boy in black and white. You know? Or, well, weird green. Or whatever the Game Boy was. <laughs> You know, they haven't they haven't really changed, which maybe is a bad thing. Maybe they can change them. I don't know. That's up to them. I just want them to keep making cool Pokemon stuff. But ch- but then again, if you try to change the formula too much... People go... It, you know, people... Petition to really ruin the Pokemon. People say they like new things, but they also they like don't. things to say no, the same. No, no, they exactly. don't. Like, uh, every time a new game company releases a new intellectual property, their, their reaction is like, oh, this isn't the thing that I wanted you to make. Like, like people refuse to accept new things, and that's why no one makes new things. Like, the people who give out that it's like, oh, we're just making the same movies over and over again, or we're making the same thing. It's like, people don't reward risks. That's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, for me, I'd like to see multiple live-action movies. I'd like to see, like, where that could go. And 
once VR technology becomes normalized and becomes better... You just want to live better, in a Pokemon world? ...becomes better, and once it becomes more affordable, I'd like to see how you can combine elements of the, the motion of Pokemon Go or the Pokeball. You just want to live in the Pokemon world. Like, imagine having the headset on and having your Pokeball in your hand, and it's like dude, dude, having the perspective dude, of the dude, battle dude, being dude, in dude. front of you. you That'd be you, cool. You can be Ash Ketchum. I think that's I think that's going to happen. They're going to make that, yeah. 100%. That's going to... If, if VR actually hits... Which, I don't know, VR is in the 3D place at the moment where it's like, could go either way. Yeah, or like, what, what was it? Like, there was like lots of uh, pretenders to the throne of DVD and Blu-ray eventually went out, but... Yeah, you had the Betamax tapes in the VHS era. I think the key is that it's come to the point now where it's been around a while and eventually it's going to, it's going to become affordable. And when it becomes affordable, that's when maybe it will catch on. Like, when touchscreens became affordable, they took off, and the likes of motion control became affordable, they took off. So I think... The and mistake, when they work is the other thing. The, I think the mistake that these uh, video game companies make is trying to make money out of these things straight away, where if you made them affordable... The Wii was 200 bucks. You, you Exactly. You normalize them, and then people, the kicker is people will pay more in the long run. They'll pay more eventually once they're, they're used to it, if it becomes a cooler version of what they have already. Like, PlayStation VR is, like most people, it doesn't have much support. And then it's like 500 bucks on top of like most people would want a PS4 anyway. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. But we digress. What are your most cherished Poke memories? You can pour your heart out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Or if you're a person of few words, where can they find us on Twitter, At TWSKK. You know, 260 characters. It's not that few words. It's fair. It can be fairly few if you're... 280. A, 280 characters. If you're a rambling person like me. Also, if you manage to check out Pokemon The Power of Us, let us know your thoughts. We'd be curious to see if we're not the only ones. That no, it's terrible. It. I'm right. <laughs> Can, do, am I a ta- are my takes ever not the definitive takes? Uh, debatable. I will. I have a permanent marker. It's not permanent, but I'm going to draw on your face. You've left a permanent mark on my heart, Gar. Well, thank you. It's a bad one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. Well, it's, it's, it's mixed. <laughs> okay, trainers. That's it for another week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can catch a new episode. Get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? No, explain it. Because you catch Pokemon. Charmeleon. War Tortoise. Me too, Tentacle. Aerodactyl. Ammonite. Slowpoo. Me too, Tentacle. That's all, folks. Garrett, you didn't do the whole Pokemon route. This would have been the perfect episode to get it done. You can catch a new episode every weekend at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. I think I said SoundCloud weird there, so it's SoundCloud in case you think... SoundCloud. It actually sounded fine. I I didn't bump on that, but okay. It sounded weird in my head, so I just wanted to say it again. SoundCloud. It's like, I've never heard of this SoundCloud. What is that? (laughs) That's where you'll also find our other show, Podcast a Week, which just dropped a new episode on Lord of the Rings Two Towers yesterday. Yeah, there's an episode. I didn't lie. So check that out. It's in your feeds as you speak. And also on that website is the entire back catalogue of The Weekend Show. Who knew? Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS network. Speaking of which, if you liked what you heard and want to give others the gift of the weekend show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You'll find our feed under Tubulius Twisnikul. Give me a break, Karen. In fairness, you would have gotten cut off by your watch anyway. Okay. I'm not going to cut this out. I'm going to, for authenticity's sake, I'm going to leave it in there. I'm going to give it another go and people will, you know, be heartened by my triumph. Okay. You'll find art. Nope. <laughs> you jinxed yourself, didn't you? I set up for the tear-jerking moment at the end of an of a inspirational movie and you I just let... over your laces. I let everyone down. You'll find our feed under TWS Network. 
Oh my god. I'm not even gonna. <laughs> just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. And in appreciation, we will send you the Pokemon card of your choice. As long as it's Magikarp. That's a good card. Have you played Magikarp Jump? No. Stupid. That's the best. Maybe next week we'll talk about that. Okay. Well, we've got a lot of Pokemon on our plate recently. Next week, we continue our series of best of theme shows when we muse about the highs and lows of the Yuletide tradition that is the Christmas special. Also, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We're going to have a chat about that. Yes. We, just, we just saw it. We literally took a break in recording to see it. And it is very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I dare you. Find the point in this podcast where we stop to go see Spider-Man and come back. <laughs> it's seamless. We, um, You'll have to come up with a new sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to let the people in on something here. Uh, we were supposed to have an episode last week, as we said. Garrett couldn't make it, so... I wrote a script and then forgot to change the sponsor joke. We are brought to you this week by our sponsor, Team Rocket. Prepare for trouble. Make it double. Me and you can! <laughs> to protect the world from devastation. Oh, I've just fallen into a truck. Our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions. And until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye.